This is the Art of Charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The Art of Charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We may not have all the answers, but we do have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great stuff that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up at theartofcharm.com. That's where we'll email you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, nonverbal communication, dating, attraction, persuasion, networking, public speaking, negotiation, and a whole lot more. And we've got our live programs running every week here in Los Angeles. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you're committed to learning and growing. We're sold out a few months in advance, so if you're thinking about it, get in touch now and plan ahead. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with my friend Lewis Howes from School of Greatness. You've heard him here before. You've heard me over there, maybe even found us through there. We're going to talk about being a lifestyle entrepreneur and the eight areas of focus and continual improvement, creating a vision, adversity into advantage, hustle, positive habits, and more. So enjoy this one with Lewis Howes. Tell us what you do in one sentence. I am a lifestyle entrepreneur, but I also live the life of my dreams and inspire others to do the same. What is a lifestyle entrepreneur? Frankly, it's one of those terms that's a little bit overused these days Mm -hmm. because it sounds really good. Everybody's like, wow, entrepreneur, (laughs) lifestyle, I want both of those things. (laughs) Exactly. I think the reason I started saying it was because it was hard to really explain everything I do. I mean, similar to you, we've got so much different things going on as entrepreneurs. We've got different product launches, books, you know, DVDs, events, coaching, all these different things that are happening, sponsorship deals that we're running that it's hard to be like, well, I'm a writer and I'm a content creator and I'm a podcaster and I do this and I do TV. So I just say that I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur to kind of pique the curiosity for people. But really what that means for me at the essence of it is I create the life style that I want to have on a day-to-day basis. And then I build my business and my income around my lifestyle as opposed to getting a career and a business and then building my lifestyle around that. That makes sense. And I I talk about this somewhat on the show because I'm not a lifestyle entrepreneur. I guess I tried to come up with a cool alternative term. (laughs) And I think it's legacy business where it's like, this is going to outlast me. I'm probably going to give it to my kids if they are remotely as talented as myself and, <laughs> and uh, but also it's you know there's a whole team here and stuff like that and I work too much so I can't possibly get away with calling myself a lifestyle entrepreneur but I enjoy that path however yes. when I'm 40 or whatever and I've got kids I'm going to flip the switch a little bit and go no I'd rather go to my kids soccer game than work mm-hmm. till 11 p.m. and not be able to get up early and, you know, da 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 And that's why I'm investing so much into it now. And I like the lifestyle entrepreneur lifestyle, especially because you're a young single dude. It's not a good time to work really hard on something you don't love because that would be a huge waste of your time. And you've also got a lot of things going on, and I'll let you tell us about those too. So I, I like the lifestyle aspect because you wouldn't be able to focus on so many different avenues that you enjoy if you were really nose first into 
writing this book that you did, for example, right? Exactly, All the time. exactly. So tell us what the other areas of your life are, because I think a lot of people think lifestyle entrepreneur and they think you're on the beach with a laptop and you drink all day. Well, that might be for some people when they've, you know, put on Twitter that they're a lifestyle entrepreneur or something. You know, for me, uh, it means really spending quality time with the people that I care about, that I love. Uh, that means my family, my friends, spending time, you know, making sure that I attract the right people on my team that, for my business so that my team fulfills me as well. And we have fun together. Uh, and also, it means taking care of my health. So for me, it's designing the life that I want to have on a day-to-day basis. That's working out. That's being fit. That's spending time with my friends and family. That's uh, going out to good restaurants and having fun. That's training for an Olympic sport that I play called uh, Team Handball. And I'm on the USA national team. So it, it kind of evolves and changes based on the season that I'm in in life. But it's really having the flexibility to do what I want when I want uh, and spend the quality time with people that I care about the most. But, you know, for my business, we're constantly creating different things, products online, events next year. You know, this book is taking up a lot of my time right now. But it's it's all around the basis of do I love doing the thing that I'm doing right now? And if not, why am I doing it? And constantly asking myself that question. And the book that you've written Tell us about that, because I I assume that that stems from you telling other people and teaching other people how to create similar lifestyle, similar lifestyle businesses or similar lifestyles in general and giving them the courage to to be great. Yeah, for me, the book is called The School of Greatness and the podcast. I've interviewed a lot of the successful people that you have and some different people. And the common themes I found were that there were eight principles that they all pretty much followed, some more than others, some they didn't have every principle, but the eight common themes are things that I found. And I said, this is what I did in my sports life. And this is what I did when I transitioned to business. And this is what I've done in my community and with my family. And I just wanted to create something that was tangible for people to pick up that they could go through and have actionable exercises to improve on each principle in their life so they could get to the next level. And greatness can look different for everyone. It doesn't have to be making billions of dollars or being a CEO or something like that. It can literally be being the mom who's got two kids that just hasn't been satisfied with her marriage or her relationships with her kids and wants to find her identity again, wants to do something on the side where she's giving back in a bigger way and has a deeper relationship with her family. It can be the person who's making six figures who isn't satisfied and wants to make it to seven figures. It's all about getting to that next level and the eight principles on how to make that happen. Well, good. I like eight principles because often people go, so just put yourself out. That's my favorite piece of bad advice. <laughs> put yourself out there or you know, go take for action. it. Take action, hustle, all these overused terms. So breaking it down into eight principles is actually pretty important because I think it's really easy to hustle or to, to take action to hustle to put yourself out there in one area and then yes. wake up and go, crap, I followed my passion, I hustled, I put myself out there and I hate my life so much, I don't even know why I did it. Yeah, and there's a lot of really rich, unhappy, unhealthy people who have horrible relationships where they put all their hustle and energy into making a lot of money because that's where they feel like they're going to get their value, their worth, or be successful. But then no one likes to hang out with them. They're 100 pounds overweight and they're miserable. And, uh, you know, James Altucher is a great example. He made all his money and then lost it like 50 different times, made, made millions and lost it and was just unhappy. 
And uh, I think it's because when we focus on one thing too much and we don't have at least a handle on the other areas of our lives, then we kind of get out of balance and our life gets out of balance. The first thing when I interview, and I'm sure you could, you could agree with all these, I would think, the first thing when we interview the most inspiring people in the world, there's something they all have in common. No one got to being the, the Olympic gold medalist in any event or building a billion-dollar company by accident. They all had a very clear, powerful vision. And that may seem very basic or, yeah, or, I understand you have to have a vision, but it's, it's so true. You know, most of us, we don't dream anymore. We have so much going on in our heads, so much happening in our lives, so much TV and noise and media and chatter and phones constantly texting and popping up on social media. We don't take the time to dream. And, you know, this may seem, sound like cliche and kind of lame or whatever, but, you know, Martin Luther King, when he said, I have a dream, he had this powerful vision for decades, like his whole life. He had this dream and this vision. And it's not just like one day he woke up and said, oh, let's change the world and and stop stop the inhumanity that's happening between white and black. He didn't just like one day stand up on the podium and give that speech. He dreamt about that. He had a clear vision for decades to make that happen. And then it took and followed up with the action for decades as well. Uh, it's the same thing with great athletes. You know, they have very clear visions and dreams. When I was a kid, I dreamed to be a pro athlete and I took action for two decades to make it happen. You know, I think about the presidents of the United States. They were five or 10 years old and said, one day I want to be president of the United States. And it took 40 more years for it to happen. And 40 years of a game plan of taking action, of sacrificing and following through. And the vision is the first key to greatness. Again, if you're the mom who wants to have a better life with her or kids or her family, you got to have a clear vision of what that looks like first before you can have it. So that's the first thing is creating a powerful vision. The second thing, when we have a big dream, we have huge dreams and a big vision. What do you think? happens along the way when we have a, an enormous dream that seems unattainable. Well, for, yeah, you, it's, if you're committed to that vision, you're going to end up, people are going to ask you about it. And then what's going to happen is they're going to tell you to be more realistic or mm -hmm. they're going to tell you, well, that's great. But in the meantime, why don't you get a regular job? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the thing that the biggest you know, leaders and the most successful people in the world face is that adversity. They face people saying, well, it's not possible or it's not realistic. Or even if they have all the support in the world, they're, you know, athletes get injured. There are setbacks. There's, you get traded. There's things that don't happen. You lose for years and years and years and you get embarrassed until you get to the moment where you can finally have a chance of getting that dream. And then there's more heartache and more challenges. So the bigger the dream, the bigger the adversity to overcome. So the greatest minds in the world, the greatest leaders learn how to turn their adversity into their advantage. They learn how to embrace the breakdown for breakthrough. And um, a lot of people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to, once they get a setback or they get fired or their company goes under, they go bankrupt, they kind of just say, well, I failed. I don't want to go after it again. And their failures become bigger than their vision as opposed to their vision staying true to who they are. So learning to turn that adversity into your advantage 
And the third principle of greatness is developing a champion's mindset so that you can overcome those challenges that come your way for years and years and years because it's not going to get easier. The dream, the bigger the dream, the, the, the more obstacles in your way. It's not just going to unfold easy for you. And, and that's not a good story anyways. If it was easy, uh, no one would be able to relate to you in the world. Right. So you've got to be able to go through some challenges to achieve great things. Otherwise, it's not going to be worth it if it just like opens up and the doors are easy for you to walk through. So developing a champion's mindset, and this is something that I learned from my interview with you when I interviewed you on my podcast, it's really that mindset of belief. And you guys talk about this all the time, of building confidence, but it's so true. You know, when I think about athletes, when they win a big game or a playoff game or the Super Bowl or something, the person they interview usually says one of two things. One, I give all the glory to God. Uh, he gives me all the power uh, through him. I'm powerful because of, of my belief in God. And they have this, you know, belief that God gives all the power and glory through them. Or they have the Muhammad Ali, uh, Floyd Mayweather effect where they say, I am the greatest. I'm the greatest in the world. I trained my ass off for this. I knew I would win. I knew these people were weak. They were below me, beneath me. No one can stop me. It's all about I, I, I. Either way, the answers have a strong belief in something. And you can go either way and have a belief that the energy or source God is giving you the energy or that you're the one who worked your butt off and, and did, and it's your talents and your gifts to make you great. But either way, if you don't have that and you're questioning yourself at all, or you're questioning the universe, God, who's giving you the gifts, then you're questioning your greatness and you're not going to be number one. You're not going to achieve your dreams and your goals. So how do we develop that mindset of belief and confidence and you know people who are listening to your podcast are constantly reminded of how to do that because i know you are constantly sharing that advice and i remember the episode we did you shared some great tips that i'd never even heard of you were like one way to build confidence on a daily basis is literally practicing when you walk through a door you smile and you put your shoulders back and you take a deep breath and you walk through with passion and energy to every doorway like you're practicing going into a room full of people. And I thought that was like a great practical example of how to be more confident and practice confidence in your daily life. You know, you can still be humble and extremely confident at the same time and be gracious and grateful while you're achieving greatness. So you don't have to have this, I'm the greatest attitude and energy. And that's probably not the best way to connect with people throughout life anyways, but you still have to have that unwavering confidence and belief in yourself and do the work to know that you've got the chops to back up whatever your dream is. So that's number three is developing the champion's mindset. So I definitely understand that. I, I completely agree with all that. One question I have for you, which is the inevitable, I guess, naysaying, I, I hate the term haters and I refuse to use it, but the, the <laughs> naysaying of like, well, why don't you get a real job or, oh, that's a nice vision or, oh, you can't, even, maybe more blatant, you can't do that or you shouldn't plan on that. How do we insulate ourselves from naysayers, from people who detract from our vision, whether they're doing it to protect us from ourselves in their own mind or whether they're doing it because it makes them feel bad about themselves? How do we insulate ourselves from that without isolating ourselves from our family and friends? Mm. You know, it's tricky, and I think you've got to learn to dance with this, but really you want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that support you, that lift you up, not that bring you down. Even if you have the craziest dream in the world, 
you know, maybe there is some reality check that you need to have, you know, maybe for like, I want to build a house on Mars in five years. It's probably not going to happen. You know, anything is possible, but that's probably not the most realistic thing. But if you're like, we want to go to Mars one day or something and we want to land there, whatever it is, then okay. Then what are the steps that you need to get there? People are still going to say, well, it's not possible. It's crazy or this and that. You want to surround yourself with people that lift you up though. I mean, it's challenging because a lot of the times it is family that holds people back. And that is the naysayers that doesn't want their siblings or their kids to go out and get hurt because they want to protect you. But that's why you have podcasts like the art of charm and other podcasts and books and mentors and people that can support you. Even if you're not around them or surrounded by them in person, you want to try to surround yourself with friends who lift you up, who support you that, that inspire you to go for your dreams. And what I would do is I would challenge your family or, or friends who aren't supportive and say, listen, I appreciate you looking out for me. I appreciate you wanting to have my back and not wanting me to be hurt. But this is this is what inspires me. This is what fills me up. And if I don't go for my dreams, then what am I living for? And my request to you is to be supportive and to help me come up with a game plan and have my back when I'm going after it. Um, but also make sure I'm healthy at the same time and taking care of other parts of my life because that's where I do want your support. So I would have that conversation and it may go well, it may not. And you have to understand like, okay, if these people aren't supporting me the way I need to be supported, then maybe I just spend less time with them or I don't talk about my dreams with them and I talk about it with people who do support me. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to recent Indeed survey. 
We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now back to Lewis Howes. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's interesting. A lot of people ask, what if the naysayers are my own family? And right. if it's your girlfriend or something like that, then watch out because this is your life partner. Exactly. That, exactly. You, know, you, you know what I mean? But if it's your mom, you can't really ditch your mom, but you might say, I'm not going to talk about my business plans with my mom or my dad who don't understand and you know are going to stress me out or are mm-hmm. going to spend a lot of time arguing about what's right and what's wrong you'll either you'll either succeed or you won't and it doesn't you don't need them you don't need to be worried about them saying i told you so or for them resenting you for your success and hey once you accomplish something you tell them they'll be proud they they don't need to know before that exactly yep that's right it's about being selective with the audience right that's it i've lost a lot of friends from high school to college to you know my football days I've had to distance myself from a lot of friends who became negative, who became naysayers, who, you know, also just weren't really friendly when I would try to leave the pack and do something outside of like our friends, you know, what everyone else was doing. If I tried to go beyond and achieve my dreams where they were staying small, a lot of them really weren't supportive. And it's tough. I had to say goodbye to a lot of them and just didn't talk to a lot of them for years. And then some of them came back around and said, you know what, I'm really sorry. And I want more for my life. And I see what you're doing. You know, can you help me out? I've had friends do that where it's been, okay, cool. Now you're ready to live at the level that I want to live at. And so we can hang out again and I'm happy to support you. But you got to cut people off sometimes. Yeah, can be tough. If it's your partner, cut them off. If it's your parents, can't really do that, shouldn't really do that. Unless it gets extreme. You know, if they're actively sabotaging you, then, you know, there's bounds for everybody. It's it. And here's the thing. It's challenging, but you always want to be leveling yourself up to people that inspire you. And I think that we have an unfair advantage, Jordan, because we get to interview some of the most inspiring people in the world and build friendships and relationships with them because of our platform and our podcast. And for me, I feel like it raises my vibration and raises my game when I do that because now they're in, I'm in their circle. I hang out with their friends now. You know, I'm like one degree away from Oprah and the president. And it's like because I've got those relationships with people who are friends with them, who hang out with them. And it's just inspiring me to get to that next level. So sometimes we need to constantly reevaluate our friendships and where we're spending our time. And I'm sure you've quoted this a billion times, but I think Jim Rohn said that, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So we've got to constantly be aware of that. Yes, absolutely. When we do find adversity, how can we turn that into an advantage? Yeah, you know, it's really developing that champion's mindset, what we talked about. The adversity is our story. And it's the things that have not happened to us, but when we look at it for happening for us, that's when we can embrace the adversity and move forward. 
And, you know, we've all faced some type of challenges in our lives, whether it's our parents got divorced or we were sexually abused or raped or we you know, got kicked out of high school or we went to jail or whatever it may be. We've all faced something. It may not be the type of dramatic experiences that someone in a third world country who is an orphan, who never had food, who was like had to sell himself for sex to get just to survive. It may not be as extreme as something like that when you think about it, but we've all faced some type of emotional or physical or mental trauma that is a huge deal to us. It may not be the same as in, as some other people, but it's still a big deal for us that holds us back and creates challenges for us. And when we learn to not let that hold us back, but move us forward and have that be part of our story, that's when we can embrace it. So for example, I grew up always in the special needs class. I always had a tutor and I was with the three other kids who were in wheelchairs learning how to read and write pretty much through high school. And I always felt embarrassed by my lack of intelligence, my lack of uh, remembering things in school, my lack of reading and writing. And it was a struggle, man. It was like an inner battle constantly because I wanted to be accepted by my peers, the cool kids who were smart. And I never felt like I was. This is the Short Bus Podcast with Lewis House. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. For years, it held me back. But when I started to acknowledge the skills that I did have and the gifts that I did have, which was being a great athlete and then saying, okay, well, I'm not good at school. So let me try to connect with people in a different way. Let me try to learn more about what makes them tick. And let me learn ways that we can build a deeper, intimate relationship. When I learned how to communicate and be vulnerable and connect with people, I realized that it was such a powerful skill. It was probably 10 times or 100 times more important than learning how to read and write and know how to do long division uh, in math. And that's what's my story has been. Okay. I wasn't great at these things, so I learned how to embrace other talents and gifts, which was my athletics and being able to connect with people at all walks of life from, you know, a teenager that is, you know, was sexually abused and couldn't read and write to a billionaire that I have on a podcast as well. I feel like I've been able to connect and relate to people of all walks of life, which has given me the platform and the opportunities that I've had, not because I was smart in school. So learning to embrace our adversities and use it for our story to move us forward as opposed to holding us back, that's the key. Yeah. What if, what if we haven't had that kind of adversity or the experience to be able to relate to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it sounds like a luxury, but now it sounds like a disadvantage not to have gone through some ish. Right, right. Well, the thing is, you know, the bigger the dream you have, if you're going to go and do a nine to five job and, and play it safe and not challenge yourself, then you're probably not going to have much adversity. If you've got a big dream or you want to get to any next level in your life, whether you're want to lose 20 pounds to getting a raise to starting your own company, there is going to be challenges that come your way, whether you like it or not. It's not just going to be smooth sailing. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to get to just the next level or to the biggest level in your life. It's going to happen. If you play it safe, you're probably not going to have much adversity. You know, things will be easy, except for the fact that you won't be fully fulfilled living your dreams. Right. You end up plateauing. Exactly. And things like that. Well, I want to clarify, a lot of people who are doing nine to fives are not necessarily playing it safe. Maybe they got kids and that's their dream. Like maybe that's their thing. Of course. 
That's completely fine. Yeah. The next level and whatever that looks like to you in your life. Yeah. I don't want people to think, well, if you have a nine to five, Lewis, and I think you're a loser secretly. It's not the case. No, I mean, listen, everyone that works with me has a nine to five, you know, and my family is have, have nine to five and my friends do. So it's not like it's bad. It's just, are you living your dream? So if, if your job isn't fulfilling you, then are you really living your dream? And are you challenging yourself to find ways to make it more fun and find ways to, to find the right job for yourself, whether it's a nine to five or not? Are you spending the time that fulfills you and makes a difference in what you're doing? That's what I think we should be focusing on. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, and the fourth principle is the one that we've overused the word a lot in our, in our society lately, at least in the entrepreneurial world, and that's uh, hustle. And originally, the book I was going to write was going to be called Hustle. Thank you for not calling it that, by the way. Just, I would be like, I'd like to have you on the show, but I can't in good conscience have you, you know, it's, come on it's and say funny because my agent was like, I will not publish a book with the word hustle on the cover. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And it's funny because we have a mutual friend, I won't say his name here, who's got a book coming out called Hustle about six months after mine comes out. And I just thought it was funny. The fourth principle is uh, about developing hustle. And for me, this has been the thing that in my mind has been the difference maker to getting to where I was in sports, but also in business. And it's the, I think, uh, what's her name? Angela, some psychologist that did a big Ted talk. I'm, her name's slipping me right now. She talked about the number one differentiator from the most successful people in the world and everyone else is a thing called grit. And in my mind, that's essentially hustle. The way she explains it is like the person who's willing to do whatever it takes to persevere, the grit, the grunt work, the hard work. It's like on the basketball court, the person who is willing to dive to save the, the, the loose ball from going out of bounds made the difference from you getting that extra point you needed and not. It's the ones that are willing to do that hustle and slide in the court and get some splinters who really can sustain that throughout time. You're going to get your results you want. And this is something that a lot of people don't do, you know, they get comfortable, whether it's in their jobs or whether it's their own business, they get comfortable and that keeps them where they're at. That keeps them at that plateau as opposed to constantly growing. And I think unless we're not, unless we're not growing, then we're slowly dying. And it doesn't mean you have to be constantly growing in every area of your life, but that area of your life you're not growing in, it's going to stay stagnant and start to go down if you don't put energy towards it. So for me, hustle is a key component of greatness because, again, no great athlete, great leader, president, CEO, uh, Mother Teresa hustled, right? You know, she showed up when other people didn't want to show up. She did the work when other people didn't want to do it to give back and live a life of service. So doing whatever it takes Obviously, within reason, you don't want to just hurt yourself over time. You don't want to like not never sleep or something. You want to make sure you have a balance. But putting in the hard work when you don't want to do the hard work, that's what's going to make the difference in whatever it is you're focusing on. So have that hustle. That'll get you to the next level. Right. That discipline only counts when you need it, right? Like it doesn't exactly. matter if you're motivated to go to the gym most of the time. That's not when the motivation actually matters. It's when you wake up and it's raining outside and you don't feel like going anywhere that the discipline to get up and go actually matters. Exactly. When our podcast I did with you on my show was like so powerful, one of the most popular ones. And you said something, something about the, your training to your performance. Like, ah, uh, yeah, you don't, uh, 
Dick Marcinko or whatever from like the red team said, you don't rise to the level of your expectations. You default to the level of your training. Yes. That's such a powerful message. And the training means showing up every single day like it's game day and practicing like you're performing, whether it's you're giving a business presentation, whether it's, uh, you know, you're doing a job interview. It's like showing up and practicing every day, preparing every day like it's game day. So when game day comes around, it's just like another day. It's not a big deal. You don't have to get stressed out or worried about it. Um, so that's, that's what it's all about, developing that hustle. How do we create the hustle habit? You know, how do we cultivate that if we don't have it? If we find ourselves being like, well, I get motivated for a minute and then I kind of lose it or little speed bumps kill my motivation or, or something, some common issue like that. Well, the thing is people don't hustle because their vision isn't powerful enough and they're not committed to their vision. If you've got a powerful vision, you always default back to your vision. Okay, I don't feel like doing this today, but why did I want to do it in the first place? Oh, it's because I want to make sure that every kid is fed and there's no hunger in the world. That's why I'm on a mission to do this because I have something so powerful. My fuel, my vision is so powerful that it keeps me motivated throughout this. If you're not hungry enough for it, then you don't have a big enough why. You know, Simon Sinek says start with why, and most people just start with, oh, I want to be rich or I want to, I want, you know, I want to be famous. But that's not a strong enough why. That's going to sustain over all the adversity and over all the long nights and early mornings of hustling. It's not going to sustain if it's just to make money. Then you'll get broke. You'll be miserable. You'll be fat. You'll have horrible relationships. So you've got to have a powerful vision with a strong why. And I go over exercises at the end of each chapter on how to really maximize this and how to really craft a clear vision. Even if you have no clue what you want or what you're passionate about, we really help you figure that out, really setting a guide map for yourself and creating a plan for each one of your visions and what you want to do and sticking to that throughout that period of time. But the hustle, if you're not motivated, you usually don't have enough strong enough why. So you need to reconnect to your vision and see if it's a strong enough why for you to move forward. Excellent. All right. The fifth principle is, and I don't actually know a lot of people talk about this in any type of like personal development or success principles book. Like I don't even know if this is really mentioned but for me, it's so obvious is mastering your body. And if our health is not in order, if our health is not in alignment to our vision and we allow ourselves to just get obese and overweight and not sleep and not eat well, then our minds are not going to have the energy. Our body is not going to have the energy and the focus to achieve our visions. So mastering your body is one of the key components to greatness. And I think Richard Branson, who's you know one of the most successful entrepreneurs and wealthiest people in the world, someone asked him, what's the key to you know something like being successful in business or something like that question? And he said, working out. You know, your health and working out is the key to success in business. Because think about it, if you just focus only on working, you're on the computer, you're on the phone all day, you're, you're building relationships, you're doing deals, but you don't take time to take care of yourself, you are not going to have the energy to be at the top of your game and sustain it for years and years to come if you're not mastering your body. Even the president of the United States takes time, who is running, you know, the biggest, most successful country in the world even he takes time to run and to play basketball and to work on his body, and he's in shape. He's not overweight. If he was overweight, he'd be lethargic. He wouldn't be able to make decisions, and the country and the world might be at stake if he was not in shape. Like He may make one wrong mistake that could ruin 
the lives of millions of people because of he, he stays healthy. So it's about mastering your body. It doesn't mean you have to have a six pack. It doesn't mean anything like that. You don't, you don't have to train yourself to death every single day. It's about just mastering your body so that you have the energy to go after your vision. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense just from my own personal experience. If I get up and I feel like crap, which happens more when I'm not taking care <laughs> of my body, the performances on the show suffer. I get snippy during email. I'm dealing with my mm -hmm. team with a little bit shorter patience. I need more sleep because I'm just not getting quality sleep probably, uh, probably among other reasons. I start <laughs> eating poorly, get cranky. I mean, there's a million – it's sort of a downward spiral. Even working out for like 15 – 25 minutes a day or going for like a long bike ride or a short bike ride for that matter will help tremendously in just kind of doing it. And I think a lot of people try to substitute exercise with things like coffee and maybe even booze. They put a Band-Aid on it. They put a Band-Aid on it. Right, exactly. Whereas the effects of exercise and things like that are cumulative, the effects of things like booze are also cumulative in the other direction. All right, back to Lewis House. Yeah, and I can't really say there's not a one-size-fits-all for mastering your health and your body and working out. You've really got to figure out the right plan for you. And some people, that's you know working out five days a week. Some people, that's just running. Some people, that's lifting. Some people, that's eating vegan. Some people, that's not. So you've got to really discover what that is. I've got exercises and plans and different guides to show you how to do this to master your body yourself. But really, it takes some trial and error. Uh, to figure out what works best for you. And also, I don't do the same thing every day my whole life. I'm constantly mixing it up. I'm constantly doing things for me that are fun when I get to work out and get to move my body. So I'm playing pickup basketball a lot. I'm hiking in the hills. I'm going in the ocean. I'm doing things. That, I'm playing frisbee golf. You know, I'm doing things that are fun, activity, hobbies as well that keep me active. And it's not just pounding myself to death in the gym, although I do do that from time to time. But it's about figuring out what works for you and constantly being open to evolving and growing as we grow and evolve. Excellent. Yes. So that's the, that's the fifth principle of greatness. The sixth principle, which uh, you mentioned previously, is practicing positive habits. Yes. You know how important this is. Everyone you interview who's at the top of their game all has some type of ritual or habits that they follow. You know, I read articles constantly about the richest people, the wealthiest people in the world, the habits of the wealthiest people in the world, and what they do differently than everyone else. You know, they get up a little bit earlier than everyone else. They typically read in the morning. Most of them read in the morning, 30 to 60 minutes a day. Uh, most of them work out in the morning. Most of them have a healthy breakfast or a green juice or a smoothie. There's these themes you see from the most successful uh, richest people in the world, the greatest athletes in the world, the greatest thinkers, they have habits. They don't just wake up and say, what am I going to do today? They know what they're going to do because they have a clear vision and they have only a certain amount of time that everyone else has in the world. We got 24 hours a day. And so they schedule, they map out their entire days. It's not just by accident. Like, what am I going to do today? The first hour they know that what they're going to do, they have an itinerary for their day to achieve their vision. Then throughout the day, they have an itinerary of what they do. They take a, you know, a 30 minute break and connect with their family. They, they go to the gym at a certain time, whatever it may be, they follow a routine throughout the day that sets them up to win. So they don't have to think and use their willpower every day to create something. They already have a map laid out for them. And that's important to have positive habits and to figure out what those are for you. And some of them may change over time, 
but I highly recommend you create rituals and habits in your life. Yeah, habit is, I would say, probably one of the most talked about topics on our show because it's really the only way to guarantee continued performance in a certain area. It goes back to kind of our motivation only counts when you need it thing. You're always creating good habits or bad habits. People always think of habit as a good thing or a nasty thing like smoking. Right. But what we don't realize is that inaction is also a habit. You know, getting up and making an excuse yeah. for why you don't have time to go to the gym, that's a habit too. Yes. Doing nothing is a habit. Doing nothing yeah. is a habit. See, you actually have to create good habits to replace the lack of habit, which is actually a habit in itself. It, it's disguised as a lack of habit, but really it's just a habit that doesn't do anything. Exactly. And that's a really big problem for people that want to be high performers because they think, oh, I can create that habit later or I'm working on it. But really, if you're not putting in the good effort, you're just putting in bad effort. It just doesn't look like effort. Brings everything back to sports for me because that's where I learned the foundation of these principles is because, you know, like you said, we showed up every day to practice. It's not like I showed up once a week to practice and thought I was going to be great. We showed up every single day. Then every moment was intentional for what we wanted to create. It was striving to be perfect in everything we could do and giving our best to reach that. It would never be perfect, but it's striving to be it. And practicing to, to follow through in the perfect way and practicing the dribble the perfect way and practicing everything with, with clear intentions for the vision we want to achieve. And without practicing that way, the default of our training, you know, without practicing with those habits, we would never be able to achieve anything great when it mattered the most. Perfect. So that's principle number six. Do you feel like the art of charm would make as much money, impact the amount of people, reach the reach that you have on the podcast and your site and inspire millions of people around the world if it was just you? Definitely not. Yeah, it goes without saying. I was really tempted to mess with you and be like, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's no way. I mean, it's none of us have enough hours in the day and there's 13 of us working here. You know? Exactly, exactly. So principle number seven is building a winning team. And you cannot achieve greatness alone. It's impossible to be great alone uh, because we need people throughout our entire life. The first two years of our lives, we would not be able to survive without a winning team around us, feeding us, teaching us, you know, loving us, and showing us how to walk. We would be dead. Every step along the way, there has been a team that has supported us and served us to help us grow and get to the next level and achieve our dreams and our visions. And specifically in companies, you know, it's hard to do anything great on your own in a company. You've got to be able to learn how to work with other people to support you, whether that's even if you just had your own podcast and you were trying to get interviews, you'd still have to build a winning team of guests to come on and to believe in you, to do it with you. And even if you're an individual and athlete, let's say you're a tennis player, in uh, an individual sport, the individual probably has 50 people around him in a year-to-year -year basis working with him, whether that's a sports psychologist, a trainer, five different coaches that are working on his swing or her swing, a lifting coach, uh, you know, a breathing coach, you know, all these different things to support that individual athlete get to the next level. And it's all about that winning team, who you surround yourself with. At any moment, your friends is your winning team or could bring you down. So are you surrounding yourself with that, those winning players in your family, your friends, your career, your business? 
that's what separates those great companies from just good companies is that they have a team players, winning players, and they learn to work together. Perfect. The problem with building a winning team is it's friggin' hard. Really hard, man. I mean, it sounds really good to be like, hey, I'm not crapping on your advice. It sounds really, it, it's great advice, build a winning team, but man, I'll tell you, that's one of the biggest challenges, not only finding good people and managing to recruit them, but not hiring crappy people because you don't have the money at that time or you're having trouble finding them. You need somebody in the interim, and this is the person that will do a $100,000 job for forty grand a year because they're exactly. your, your neighbor or whatever. It, it's it's <laughs> Your deep. sister. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you end up working with your friends. You end up working with family, even if they're not the right fit for the job. And then what happens is you inevitably have to replace them as you grow grow if you're lucky enough to actually succeed and then then the butt hurt comes in you know obviously turning your adversity into your advantage when the adversity comes your way how are you going to learn from it how are you going to grow from it are you going to let it hold you back or are you going to say okay you know what that was a great lesson and i'm not going to beat myself up or blame anyone i'm going to take the responsibility and learn from this moment and hire someone on to help me find the right people if i can't do it myself whatever it may be you've got to learn to adjust and evolve and flex your style. And that's why it's valuable to learn how to communicate with people throughout all of this. You've got to really learn how to master communication with other people. You guys teach this in a powerful way, how to communicate with others and how to be more confident, how to build networking skills, things like that, because that's what's going to attract the winning team. And it's interesting. I had a guy named Matt, Matthew Hussey uh, on my podcast. You know him? Yeah, I do. I've known him for a really, really long time. Now he's like a... He's blown up. Blown up, dude, yeah. Dating Crushing guru. It. Yeah. And it's interesting. He, he said something to me. We actually did like a Periscope session together a couple of weeks ago here in LA. And I was like, okay, give your final tip, you know, for finding the perfect partner. If you're in a relationship or marriage, like how do you find the perfect partner? What's the final tip? And he goes, okay, want to find the perfect person to basically be married to or to, to be on your – your relationship team, create a list of all the attributes and everything you want out of that partner. Create a list and write them all down of everything you want and then go be those things yourself. And I was like, oh, that is freaking powerful. So if you want to attract a winning team, if you want to build a winning team, think about all the characteristics you want from those players. I'm talking about the qualities of the people. Maybe you can't you know, do coding or design. That's not what you're looking for. But the qualities of the people you want on your winning team. And then write a list out of those qualities and make sure you're being those first. Make sure you're living your word. Make sure you're living in integrity. You've got high energy. You're positive. You're fun to be around. You have great ideas. Make sure you practice those first and you become those. And then it's easier to attract those people to join your team, whether you're an athlete, uh, you're an entrepreneur, you're finding someone in your partnership as a relationship, but become the things you want from others. You know what? I love that bit of advice because a lot of people ask, what do I need to do to attract the right people? What do I need to do to attract the right partner? And being those things yourself is probably the only place to start. It's not a foolproof recipe because you can still screen in idiots if your picker is bad, <laughs> right? Exactly. But becoming worthy of what you want, deserving what you want is a really good place to start. That's, that's it. for sure. That's it. So building a winning team, that's the seventh principle. And the final eighth principle in the school of greatness. So the thing that um, started making a lot of sense for me, you know, for my whole childhood to, you know, early 20s, I was very driven by my own personal success. I wanted to achieve mostly to prove to others that I was worthy and to prove that others that I was good enough. And, 
you know, improved myself. And it came from a place of selfishness, right? I just wanted to prove people wrong and I wanted to be right. And I wanted it to be about me so I could feel worthy. That was really not serving me at all. I was really lonely. You know, I would achieve my biggest dreams, but feel so empty and lonely afterwards. And I didn't know why. I was like, why am I feeling this way? And it wasn't until I got into my later in my 20s and now early 30s that I realized that, you know, it's not all about me and my victories and my achievements. Life is about the rest of the world and how our gifts and our talents and what we create, how it impacts the rest of the world. And as I was transitioning from, uh, you know, playing arena football into the business world and trying to figure out how do you make money? A lot of the, this theme kept coming up from people who are making a lot of money and from people on my podcast, but even before the theme of giving money away constantly came up. And I think I read a book early on called like the richest man in Babylon or something like that. I can't remember the name of this book, but, and it talked about the richest person in the world in this book, it was like a fable, always gave away like half of the money he brought in. And he always gave it back to the community or to family and friends. And he gave it back to causes that he believed in. And that's what made him the richest man in the world is by giving back. And the more people I interviewed who were wealthy had that same mindset. They were like, you know, I constantly give back and support causes and give my money away. You know, they're not giving all of it away, but they're constantly giving back. And the more and more I started to do this in my life, giving money away, giving my time away, giving my talent to serve other people and just showing up as a positive light to people, walking down the street, smiling, opening the door for people, paying for people in line at, you know, a sandwich shop or something like that. Just being in service and being service created so much more fulfillment in my life than being selfish. And it also created a deeper impact in the lives around me. And so the eighth principle is learning to live a life of service and being service. So that means at every moment, you are not just like, oh, how can I be of service today? And let me spend one day a week doing this. But no, it's every moment you are being in service. That's the people that are on your team. It's how can I serve them at the highest level, whether it's actually asking them, how can I be of service to you? Or you're just thinking, okay, is what they're doing, their system serving them the best? Or can we make it better for them? It's making sure you smile and give them that attention every single day. It's acknowledging people. You know, we wait our whole life to be acknowledged. We want to be acknowledged so much. It's the thing we strive for and want the most. A lot of times, a lot of people is what they want the most is acknowledgement. And yet we don't do it enough. And when we do get it, we're dead. And that's when everyone comes out to acknowledge how amazing we were when it's too late. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. When you don't have the uh, occasion to enjoy it, unfortunately. Exactly. Really subconsciously, comes down to all the things that we're doing, all the things we work really hard for is to be seen, is to be acknowledged for our gifts, our talents, and to have some type of recognition. Okay, cool. Look what Lewis is up to. He's doing something powerful and it's uh, inspiring or it's helpful or it's really cool, whatever it may be. But we don't just do it for ourselves. You know, it's not like we just do it for us. We do it for others as well. And we want to be seen and acknowledged. And whether we think it or not, it's part of our being that we want that. And yet we never get it, or at least I shouldn't say we never get it, but it, usually most people don't receive it until they're dead. And it's a shame. And so living a life of service is really 
acknowledging people through your way of being, through serving people, but also through your words. So I started bringing on, you know, really a habit of acknowledging my team and my family and my friends. I, I had a girlfriend for a year and a half. We we separated a few months ago, but every night I would acknowledge her for the gifts that she brought to the world. I would say three things I acknowledge her for every single night before we went to bed. And it was just such a powerful way to connect and build deeper relationships with people. And I highly recommend focusing on living a life of service and acknowledging not only other people, but acknowledging the most important person in the world, which is ourselves. Excellent. Thanks so much, man. Much appreciated. Much love. Hopefully this book will rock the house as the content does, but you know, some of it's up to the the Amazon gods. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the School of Greatness on sale now. No, seriously, right now, literally. It's in our show notes, or you can just go to – what's the best place to buy it, Amazon? Where do, people, where do the kids buy their books these days? Yeah, you can go to Amazon. Actually, right now, if you are heading to Barnes & Noble, uh, if this is the first week you're listening to this podcast when it comes out, I am in the front and center carousel stand. It's called the Octagon in Barnes & Noble, and anywhere in the U.S., I'll be there front and center so you can go pick up a copy there or Amazon.com. Just type in the School of Greatness or GreatnessBook.com. Insert joke about Barnes & Noble still existing <laughs> yes. and, and the octagon being an MMA term. <laughs> and, uh, and we're good. Thanks so much, man. Much Thanks, appreciated. Yes. Appreciate you. Excellent show. Lewis is a good dude to have on because he can talk. And, uh, you know, I can stretch out a little bit throw in an interjection here and there, ask some questions, and we can rock out some great content. Don't forget School of Greatness. The book title is out now. We'll link to that in the show notes, but you can also search for it on Amazon. Or if you know what a Barnes & Noble is, you can find it there too. Of course, if you enjoyed this, the show's a fanarchy, which means it's run by you. So let us know what you think, and if you have guest ideas for us, we are guests at theartofcharm.com. Don't forget to thank Lewis on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes. I'm on Twitter as well, at The Art of Charm. Lots of stuff there that you won't get on the show or it's shared on a whim, but I am there and I do engage with everybody there. Bootcamp details, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Remember, we're sold out a few months in advance, so if you're thinking about it a little bit, get in touch ASAP, get the info from us, plan ahead. Subscribe to AOC and iTunes. Write us a review. I will love you forever. It'll make us proud. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of The Art of Charm podcast. Tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 